This meeting is being recorded. Tonight, we'll go back in time to seasons past when 22 men graced the record fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score that would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats, football history and its memorabilia on the Sports History Network. We're live from the Southport, North Carolina home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. And I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats Magazine is the only publication in America that focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150 plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host, the senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange and Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squares. Joe, welcome to the show this afternoon. <laughs> I know I say it all the time, but your intro never gets old. I love it. I always assumed you'd have it memorized by now, but I see you glancing down at your script. Uh, I, I, still I still have to glance down. I, there's just yeah. uh, a couple of sentences, even though I, I should be able to yeah. say it in my sleep. I, I want to make sure I'm doing a good job and yeah. getting everything correctly. And, and I still hit the, uh, you, know, brought, you know, from Wall where it used to say Wallingford, Connecticut. I got to the point where even I know that I'm still getting used to the uh, the South Carolina, you know. Right, so, right. Yeah. I, I I have to. I really have to stop myself because I've said that for whatever it was, 12, 13 years, and to say from the Southport, North Carolina home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, it's it's a lot different. It was a lot different. We need to come up. We need to come up with a name for. I mean, because you know, you know. You know, Wallingford, Connecticut, you know, where you live, it's like Air Force One. Wherever you are is the home <laughs> of Gridiron Greats. Like wh whatever plane the president is on is Air Force One. So right. wherever the captain sits is the Mecca of football collecting. So we need to come up with something from the Mecca of football card collecting in South Carolina. It just We need North to come Carolina. up with something. North Carolina, not South Carolina. North, North Carolina, I beg your pardon. Those SOBs for South People get confused because they say, are you in Northport, South Carolina? Or And I said, no, it's Southport, North Carolina. And then it's, it's confusion right away. You know, it was, it was interesting because yesterday, believe it or not, was our second year anniversary of moving into this house. Oh, and wow. We had, we had our good friends from Connecticut who actually live literally down the street from us over for dinner. And we were reminiscing about, uh, two, you know, a two-year anniversary. It was, it was Pretty amazing how you snap your fingers and two years have gone by. And unfortunately, I still haven't unloaded all my boxes yet. I still have one big box that I, I have not opened. And I think part of my problem is I just don't have enough. I don't have enough um, like bookcases or, or display cases that I can get that stuff out and put it. And I don't even want to show you the left hand side over here. I have uh, four piles of sports magazines just packed, uh, just stacked there. I took them out of the, uh, the the boxes I had them in, 
and uh, it's they're still sitting there. I'm still sorting them out. But yeah. All right, let's uh, let's get started into into the heart of our show today. Let's go over a couple auctions that you were mentioning beforehand. Let's let's look at them. Well, I've given up on the shared screen thing because it, it, I have to fumble around. You know, on the we almost need this system. One of these days, we need to find the budget in the uh, Gridiron Greats podcast. You know, to hire a producer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Hopefully, uh, that'll happen before I pass away. So we'll. We'll. <laughs> well, uh, Heritage Auction, uh, which seems to continually be running a monthly auction. Uh, you know, but finds some amazing football items at something sell. Uh, I've mentioned a few times I've uh, rekindled my wax collection probably five, six years ago, and I'm really loving it, just finding rare. You can see over my shoulder my right. on a wax pack display, that, and I've got another one I bought that's sitting over there that I, again, like you said, won't bother to show you. Uh, so I plan on putting both of those up here, as, you know, kind of like you're unboxing as soon as I can you know, find the time on the weekends. But uh, Heritage had an auction that just shot off that had some amazing unopened wax pack boxes. Uh, one of them was, uh, I mentioned, you know, I, I was, you know, catching up with you, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, that one of them was the 1973 Topps football wax packs box was set with 24 unopened packs. Uh, Franco Harris, uh, you know, Kenny, the snake stablers rookie. Not a huge you know, when you think 70 sets, you go 71, 72, 79. I mean, there's so many sets. I mean, I would say 73 is 73 and 74, are probably the ugliest sets in the 70s. So to me, why is 1973 so popular? This box sold for 31,200. Oh, my word. Holy that exactly. is literally. 1500 uh 1400 a pack uh plus um, i am missing this 170s box so i was eyeing this and i spent a lot of time looking up the history of previous sales uh in 2019 one of these boxes sold for 11,000 in 2021 one sold for 14,000 and in 2022 one sold for for 23,000. So I was like, well, hopefully the market has been saturated. Everybody who wants one of these 73 boxes, uh, unopened wax boxes has it. And this one will slip through the cracks. Obviously it did not. It went for the highest price in history of a 73 tops unopened wax box. Wow. So. wow. I'm, I'm, I'm just blown away because again, I, I know there I know you got the Harris, you got Stabler, you got you got some semi you know stars in there. But man, oh man, I, I just don't get it. I, you know, fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars for a wax pack. It, it just blows my mind. I, and I, in I, comparison, like nineteen seventy six, when you think of seventy six wax, immediately Walter Payton right, right. comes to a unopened wax packs box of nineteen seventy six will cost you between seventeen and nineteen thousand. So this is 60, 70% higher than a 1976 wax box. Right. It's three times what a 75 wax box would cost you. Right. It's nearly double what a 72 wax box would cost you. Right. I mean, this is such a weird set 
And for some reason, it's incredibly rare. And you'd mentioned this is the first time they didn't issue it in series. So, right. I mean, the whole well, set is in it. 1973 was the first year TAPS just had one series. So everything was issued all at once. Yeah. And you were able to buy a complete set, um, what was con considered today being a factory set. So what I what I kind of don't understand in a way is I look at 73 to 1979. That's the end of the 70s era. Okay. 79 is the last year. I know there is demand for 70, 71, 72. That's a given. 72 Absolutely. high uh, third series is always going to be in demand. I I don't ever see a, a any type of um, lowering of prices for that for that series, so on and so forth. But what I don't understand is what I just what you just gave me, with the exception of the 76 set, which yeah. you have Walter Payton. That's that's truly a, a, you know one of the purest rookie cards around. And it's one of the most demand cards. It is Peyton, so on and so forth. Outside of the largest card in 77, obviously, Bob, that goes I without stand, I stand corrected on that, yeah. with, 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 with <laughs> that coming in a very, very close second. But in any <laughs> event, I never could understand that demand. And this when you talked about it last time, I remember... Um, I worked for a couple of years in a, in a small card shop in Meriden, Connecticut. This is year, back in the 90s, back in the explosion days. And um, the owner always used to tell me that he always felt that in the 70s, you should put together as many 73 to 79 tops football sets together. And this was before the explosion of Peyton, so on and so forth. So long story short, um, he his... His theory of it was there wasn't that much wax around mm. at that time back in 1990, 91, 92, unopened of the 70s. So the your next best bet was to try to put together as many sets together, put them away, and down the road they're going to only go up in value. Well, what's the one set that went through the roof? 76 tap set, okay, because of the paint and rookie. And depending on how good your Peyton rookie was in that set, if you had a near mint, you're going to get a premium on it. So, I, again, I, I'm just kind of amazed that that set is going for uh, – I'm sorry, that wax box went for that much. It just I, I just utterly amazing to me to see that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, 60 70% higher than the last sale and double what the previous high was. Uh, you know, I, I, it's just amazing. And again, yeah. you know, when you reach that price point, the market for your product that if you want to resell that becomes so narrow because your average collector, you know, and I look at myself, even though I'm not an average collector, I will not pay $20,000 for an unopened wax box. Okay. There's no need for me to, to spend that money. It's not going to do anything for me. I'm not collecting wax packs anymore or wax boxes or anything like that but yeah the market had become so narrow is that good or bad for the hobby and you know and that's the argument we, we've talked about this for 20 years yeah. if we talked about it you know today is that good for the hobby yes and no okay that's, that's the only way i'm going to put it you know if you got the money and you want to spend the money on that kind of wax box good luck to you go for it but you know for an uh, average collector who wants to just put together a 73 top set no, that 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 becomes uh, you know garbled information to the collector, 
as to you know how or why they would be putting that set together. So also uh, you're, you're acing out you're acing out new collectors because right. I mean I I remember buying my Walter Payton rookie card you know back in you know 2006 2007 I, I think I paid three four thousand dollars for it which right. is a lot of money yeah but you know now that same card is thirty five thousand dollars in fact right. there's and again, how many people are actually trading that $35,000 paint and rookie card, especially for the guys and gals who want to just put together a 76 set? Yeah. Where do you find an ungraded painting? I, I probably got one of the, the last few ungraded paintings around here. <laughs> uh, you know, I've had people say, well, why, why don't you have it graded? I said, why, why am I going to have it graded for? I'm not selling the set right now. So, okay, it goes into a you know, a PSA nine holder. Okay. Who am I going to call? Hey, uh, you know, Joe show, uh, so-and-so do you want to want to spend $40,000 for my Peyton rookie card? I want to make sure it has the swift collection on it, you know, as on the label. So I can get an upshare yeah. on it on top of it. I mean, come on, yeah. you know, you gotta be realistic about this. And there's not a shortage of 76 tops in the market. It's still there. You know, yep. you can still find paintings. It was not underprinted or anything. I, I don't know. I just yeah. Well, crazy. it looks like Joey Squires won't be picking up that uh, 1973 wax box, you know, anytime soon. Uh, that's only the fourth one that has come to auction in the last, like, wow. uh, six years. Wow. So, oddly enough, uh, maybe they're rarer than we think for some reason. Yep. I mean, who knows? Exactly. Also, in that same auction that closed is a 1968 Tops first series cello box Ooh, with okay. 36 unopened cello packs. Uh, 68 stunning set, very rare. Obviously, we're starting to get into some very vintage stuff. 36 cello packs unopened went for 99000 That included buyer's premium. <laughs> 3000 a pack. Nearly wow. 3000 a pack. 3000 wow. a cello. Wrapped up in that, uh, you know, in that uh, little security blanket BBCE yeah. shrink wrap. Yep. Unbelievable. Yeah. $99,000. My first house I bought in two in 1994 was $86,000. I had no idea that. Uh, you know, I, won't yeah. you, I won't tell you what my first house cost because. <laughs> Uh, so those two things, those two uh, unopened wax, obviously the unopened wax uh, industry doing very well, uh, closed on Heritage last week. And Heritage always finding good things uh, has an auction that ends in 23 days. And I'll just rattle off a couple things here. 70, speaking of 76 tops, Walter Payton, SGC 100, wow. uh, as good as it gets, Walter wow. Payton, currently at 46,000. That includes the buyer's premium. A uh, Joe Montana uh, BGS 10 at 26,000. And it's compatriot uh, Joe Montana rookie card PSA 10 at 20,000. So wow. the BGS pristine 10 is uh, you know, running about 33% more at 26,000 than That's the PSA 10 at 20,000. That's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I found that interesting. And then another incredible slew of unopened, a 63, 1963 Fleer wax box with 24 unopened packs, currently at 55,000 with three weeks to go. 
a 67 tops sell of ox, the ugliest set in the 60s in my opinion, with 36 unopened cello packs, currently at 24,000, reflecting the ugliness of it. And then uh, a second round of 68 tops first series cello, you know, so obviously they had two of them, currently at 32. So uh, 60, 67,000 to go. A little bit of room on that second box. Unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. Yeah. I, yeah, I, just, I can't. I'm just shocked at those prices. I really am. Yeah. But yeah, just some incredible stuff coming up. Uh, just whenever you think it's like, man, that, that is some incredible auction items. Just heritage seems to find good stuff. Uh, um, and then uh, on, on, in other auction news, memory lane ends in two days, I believe. Uh, uh, I get all my news from Swick Enterprises, so I'm not up to date on it. Uh, a 1935 Chipel, uh number 24 Clark Hinkle PSA 8 rookie card currently at 4,200. Uh, 57 tops Jelly U PSA 8 currently at 7,100. And uh, the card to me that's, uh, you know, uh, synonymous with a young mustachioed Bob Swick collecting a 1965 tops. Joey Broadway Namath rookie card in PSA eight currently at thirty six thousand dollars. Wow! Wow! Did you wish you had some of those wax packs now? Wow! Wow! Well, I could I, I could only imagine if I graded my Namath what it would come in at, and even if it came in at a seven, it would it would have you know a good chunk of change there. I'm interested yeah. though, I and I got to watch it. What that Hinkle is going to go for because that's a Packer, it's a high number. Yeah. And it should be seriously in demand because that's, that's one of the keys to that Packers team set from 35. So not a very good looking, not a very good looking Clark Hinkle. The right border on it, you know, if you can look later on the right border on it, it's a little shy. Oh, okay. Okay. All not, right. not centered very well. So. Okay. All right. So then that, that probably will be uh, at the most, maybe a five, six thousand dollar card. And uh, I would guess so. And then uh, the marquee item they had, the football item, a 1952 Bowman Large Frank Gifford rookie card in a PSA 9. Wow. Only one PSA example graded higher. So wow. there's a 10 out there. It is currently at 22,000. Uh, the 52 Bowman set, the number one uh, collected set uh, by, you know, I know that because of an article I wrote for GG uh, a couple years ago. Uh, Frank Gifford, obviously one of the you know, marquees of it, uh, and a PSA nine, man, it, it is, that is a good looking card. 22,000. That seems a little light for the most popular. Probably, probably That'll go up. That definitely yep. go up by the, by the time it's over. Yep. So yeah, a lot of auctions running today, right now. And, uh, REA opens up in a week. Uh, Love of the game, uh, gridiron great advertiser, Al Chris Foley, love of the game. Uh, got an email yesterday looking for consignments. I always try to consign a few things to his auction. I love and support him. So, uh, yeah, auction season, Bobby. We're coming, coming. Super Bowl season two. So, we got a lot <laughs> of football auctions coming up right around Super Bowl time over the next few weeks, anyways. But uh, it's interesting to see. And again, we talked about this numerous times in the past. Is there a saturation? Doesn't seem like it. It's stuff that is in demand. People are going to still want to bid on it and they're going to buy it. And that's it. It's amazing. Truly amazing. How many more 60 year old wax boxes are hiding in closets that uh, 
exactly. don't belong and, and collections that are w waiting to be discovered. It's, exactly. There's only so much wax, you know? Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. Exactly. So you were going to show a few things, but before we get started, I'm going to do my one show and tell today. I have a 1950 complete football magazine with Bob Williams from Notre Dame uh, on the front cover, along with uh, Dan Fogberg from Army. Classic football magazine. I love the back ad for electric football. <laughs> is that one of those vibrating games where you plugged it in and you hit the button and it vibrated and the pieces yeah, of and the uh this one the lights go on this was the um this was actually the jim prentice electric football game uh which was very popular <laughs> at the time and it cost a whopping ten dollars for that set back in 19 uh that game in 1950 so wow. that was pretty expensive so yeah. it was a very, very classic game Jim Prentice football games still are somewhat in demand, especially obviously if you have the complete box and all the all the pieces to them. They're they're pretty cool display pieces and and uh, they're nice to look at at the same time. All right, I'm gonna hand it off to you. You got some uh, you did some unpacking and uh, you found some nice stuff. You and your periodicals, Bob. I love it. Old magazines around. All right, uh, I I talk about my uncut sheet collection quite a bit. My Quest for the White Whale, the 1935 Chickle Uncut Sheet. I get the feeling, boy, oh boy, that's a conversation, isn't it? Is that one sheet or is it two sheets with a double print, one through 24 and then a double print on second series? Right. Right. Yeah, those are the mysteries. Yep. You know, I guess we'll find out when somebody calls me and goes, hey, Joe, I, you know, I'm at, an, I'm, I'm at a bazaar and, you know, Kansas, and they've got an uncut sheet here, and they have no idea what it is. So it's marked ten dollars. Do you want it? That's yeah. the phone call I want. <laughs> One can only daydream. So I love uncut sheets because uh, they can't be doctored. Uh, there's there's no fake signature. There's no trimming. There's no retouching. There's no soaking. Uh, you can't fake an uncut sheet. It is the one pure thing in our hobby, I believe. Right. Uh, so. I, I uh, brought about five or six out that I wanted to share. Obviously, I want to start with the most important. You might recognize this. It's a 1977 top, and it's got probably one of the most important rookie cards <laughs> right there. there. You might recognize it. Right there. Steve Larger. Rookie card. Steve Larger. And this is the partial sheet. It's a uh, it's a full it's a it's a full sheet printer mark down below, uh, but it's it's only half a sheet, and I bought it because of the larger rookie card. Okay. The Jim Zorn record breaker here, most yard passing by a rookie. Jim Zorn left hander out of Cal Poly. I only know that because I memorized his rookie card when I was a kid. Carl Eller down here. This is just a great sheet. I love it. Uh, Mike it. Webster's rookie card up here. The Steeler great center. Uh, a lot of seventy-seven had a lot of a lot of star power in it. Right. And two tall drones. Ah, look at this, Dan Pastorini. Do you remember that name? Yep. Houston yeah. Houston Yeah, Houston Oil. Yeah, Harvey Martin. Just a, a really good uncut sheet. But this is one of my favorites, simply just because of the uh, the Steve Largent rookie card right. in it. And uh, right. 
Now, yeah. recap, recap for our audience real quick. Those were sheets of how many? 132 cards? 132, yeah, 12 by 11. Standard. Okay. Uh, 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 issued in four, no, no, excuse me, issued in three, three, three sheets. Isn't it 396 in that in that set, in the 77 set, I believe? Uh, check this out. I just noticed it. Vince Apolli's rookie card right here. Right. Invincible. Uh, just notice that. I don't know. It's cool. I, I don't like to take these for granted. Every once in a while, I like to just walk over and, you know, just kind of look at it and et cetera. But uh, Joe Delamalure here, Sherman Smith, the All-Pro. I was never a fan of these All-Pro banners. They're a little too basic. I, I love how they improved them in 78 and my favorite to 79. But yeah. So 77, uncut. Great. As they, say, as they say in Spanish, is mi favorito. It's, it's my favorite it's Spanish. Uh, uh, this is a little uh, a little more rare. This is 1950 Bowman. Uh, this came in four sheets. Uh, 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 one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Four sheets of 36. Okay. 144 in it. Uh, and I like this one because it's got my one of my favorite cards, which is the... Uh, Slinging Sammy Bob, yeah, you know, and obviously on the front cover of the recent Swick Enterprises Gridiron Greats was the forty-eight Bowman Slinging Sammy card. So, but this card number one hundred in the fifty Bowman is uh, Sammy Bob, and uh, I put the I put the fifty Bowman set together, and the last card that I really had a hard time finding in it was number one hundred Sammy Bob. So that that Sammy Bob card has a special place in my heart. I absolutely adore that I have all four sheets. I have uh, one behind me there, and one there, and I've got this one. One other show. This is uh, sheet A, as they would say. You can tell because it's got the number one card, the Doek Walker. Okay. Uh, right uh, which most people consider the, this card to be his rookie card, the Doek Walker. Because the 48 Leaf card, Doak Walker, has him uh, SMU, I believe. Didn't he go to SMU? I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, so there, there's some, so, you know, the 48 Leaf has him in college, you mean, whereas this has him, you know, obviously as a pro, the line. So a lot of people consider this card number one to be his uh, his rookie card. But yeah. absolutely love it. Van Buren here. Uh, yeah, just. Really cool. Frank George down here. Lou the Toe Groza. Cleat showing. So there's a couple my collections question, that we love. My question immediately is how many do you how many all four sheets complete do you think are still in existence there? You have any idea you know of any other collectors that have all four sheets like you? No, no. Uh I had three of the four sheets and uh probably like six years ago an auction came up with all four sheets and I bought it and then sold my three sheets okay. you know, just to just to accumulate the fourth sheet yeah. uh, so I, I don't know that's a good question I uh I don't well, really I would, I would venture to say and I'll go out on a limb if there's probably six to eight complete sets out there that's a lot I really can't see especially the early Bowman Chief if a chickle sheet exists, 
there, there are so few of them, they're rare. They're beyond rare. Probably the rarest yes. pieces of card memorabilia and cards themselves you could actually collect. I mean, it's, it's just amazing to me. Truly amazing. Yeah. Truly amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, how many sheets are floating around? I, I, the, the Series A sheet, you know, with the Doak Walker on it, is the hardest to find. I've only seen one of those. Right. And it right. was in that auction with all four sheets, so that's why I bought it, because I just right. hadn't seen one. And uh, so I, there might be the B, C, and D sheets floating around. There might be quite a few people with all, with three of the four sheets. But, yeah. in, you know, the... 10, 15 years I've been collecting uncut sheets. That's the only A series sheet I've found. I really like this one, 1963 Tops, because it's the only one I've seen. And this actually pretty much takes the full screen here, doesn't it? Wow. Uh, I love this one. It's colorful and it kind of shows you how they laid this out. You don't see this very much in printing. They laid it out by color. Right. Got, this isn't numerically sequenced like a lot of sheets are. This is color sequence. Greens, yellows, blues, reds, uh, oranges here, and then goes back to green. So the background where a lot of the ink is, it's how they're sequenced. Not numerically. It is, it's just literally by the color, which happens to be by team, you know, quite a bit. Cardinals, you know, uh, you know, you know, John David Crow here with his scout. Right. Uh, you know, so they, you know, they 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 go by. You know, color. So it's just it's a cool sheet. Very rare. I think I've only seen a couple of these come out. I've had this one probably a decade, and I, I absolutely love it. You can right. see the packages up here. You've got Bart Starr, Jim Taylor, Boyd Dollar, Fourth Greg, Jim yeah. Ringo, Hank Jordan. Man, you know, I mean, over over the years and all the shows I went to, um, I really only handled. The 1960 Fleer eight eight card strips, ten card strips that I found that at a show yeah. uh, where a dealer just blew them out to me, and I and I I had them for years. I, it took me a lot. You know, I I brought them to several nationals. I sold a few at the nationals, but I never really saw, with the exception at the national, seeing any vintage uncut sheets. <laughs> I uh, back in the '90s, early '90s, I saw some pro set sheets, some top sheets from like '89, '90, some baseball sheets. You know, the, the stuff that was mass produced. There was a lot more sheets coming out. I never, in all the years I went to to shows, I never saw uncut sheets anywhere. Exception, hmm. like I said, at a few nationals, I saw a couple of dealers that had a few vintage, and there were more baseball than any other any other sport. I I never saw uncut. Football, with the exception of the uh, '60s Fleer that I that I picked up, and that was it. So yeah, for some reason, I, I know what you mean. For some reason, '60 uh, I see a lot of those strips. I don't know why. '61 Fleer Second Series is probably the most populous uncut sheet. I, right. I don't know why, but I yeah. see more. Probably have a dozen of those, and yeah. they they rotate. So it's not the same sheet. They rotate between rows, so it's uh, it's printed differently between. I started tracking those at one point. But, sure. uh, you know, people have mentioned uncut sheets are very hard to store. They take up a lot of wall space. Uh, you know, they're, they're they're a difficult thing to collect. Um, and uh, I I only frame the ones that I really like 
the rest yeah. of them go into a, a safe room I have, and I have a, a piece of MDF down with a, you know a plastic top loader over the top of it. The yeah. sheets go on top of that, and then I have another piece of MDF that goes on top of it with some weights on it to keep everything flat. Dehumidifier yeah. in the room, uh, keep it dry, and yeah. uh, off we go. So I, I think I'm storing them, you know, properly. Yeah, I mean, that, and and I think that's the big the big hangup with uh, sheets. How do you store them if you if you, for example you live in a small apartment you have yeah. no room you get barely got room for your card sets or whatever type yeah. of thing. and so if you're rolling them and putting them in tubes and storing the tubes uh, you know that the sheets really have a memory to that and right. how I like when I receive them a lot of them they have a memory and I roll them out I set them on that platform I have put the put the MDF on top of it the weight. And it takes yeah. about uh, two, three weeks for that memory to go away, where I can remove right. the MDF weights and they stay flat. Right, right. And that, yeah. that, I think that's the biggest problem with them. But man, what an incredible collection. Yes. Yeah. A couple more here. I'll get to the good stuff. This one I adore. I bought it through uh, MSB oh. about uh, 10 years ago. It's the only one I've seen in 1965. Pops special uncut sheet with the Broadway Joe rookie card right here. Wow. And the the, the Joe Namath rookie card's in tough shape, shape. This entire sheet is in tough shape. Uh, but especially this top row. Joe Namath's got some cracking here. The top is, you know, really checked. Uh, you start to get down here in the middle, and these are they're in pretty good shape. But partial sheet or not, this is the only example. Uh, trying to get the reflection out of there. Maybe I should dim yeah. my lights. Uh, trying to get the, you know, this is the only even partial uncut sheet of 65 top of that team. And wow. I absolutely love it. Wow. Great so, memories for me. I love, I, you know, that, that's the one set that, that if I sell my collection, that's the one set I hold on to the bitter end. Oh, it, yeah. I, I'll, that, that's my baby. I, yeah. Greatest memories opening up 65 tops football. Very cool. I love it. Yeah, that's, that's it too. I mean, that's another reason I love this one is just because of the link to you. This young kid up here named Lance Allworth, uh, you know, always a smile there. Yeah. You've got Don Maynard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's this is for a, a partial sheet. This is really stark time. Yeah. Uh, the checklist I'm very happy to have. That's very rare. So, yeah, absolutely love this sheet. It's in, it's, it's, it's been beat to crap, but it, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. And again, if I only had the foresight when I was seven years old and some extra money, I would have put away some unopened wax boxes of 1965 tops, saying to myself, 58 years later, I would have a, a nice nest egg there when I uh, when I retired. So, uh, but, uh, you know, all kidding, yeah. all kidding aside, that is, that's beyond rare. I Man, mean, there's a well, by the prices of it, you should have put some 73 wax boxes away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty much anything. I mean, geez. Another unhead sheet I had, and this, I included this in an article I wrote for Gridiron Grades. Yeah, on I remember that. Yeah, uh, beautiful. Uh, one of my favorites. Another partial uncut sheet was about 75% of the sheet. Uh, but it's got the meat of it. It's got the Johnny U. Uh, the, uh, got the Bart Star on here. It's got the rarest card in the set, the Zeke Rotkowski. Yep. And I noted that in the article, uh, this is the top 75% of an uncut sheet. I can tell by the print marks up on top, the trackers, but 
the Zeke Bradkowski, the one of the rarest cards in the set, that it was because it was located in what I refer to as the pull position of the sheet, right. which is top left, where they would often align it, you know, on the on the cutters. But yeah, Johnny, you on here, uh, man, this I absolutely love this set. I bought this probably fifteen years ago in. Uh, in a um, Huggins and Scott, and Huggins and Scott did such a good job of just finding little rare things. You're like, wow, where the hell are they getting this stuff? But right, right. really cool sheet. I absolutely love this, and this helped break the myth of the uh, 57 set coming out in series. Yeah, since you know, since you have uh, you know, you know, half the set, you know, about you know, 75 or you know, I think 78. Uh, you know, that just the popularity of, you know, the second half of the set, anything past like 100, how rare it is. But the, right. fact, that, the fact that even upper 100 level uh, cards appeared on this sheet, you know, kind of dispelled the myth that they were two series. The second series wasn't collected as much as the first series. So that sheet helped, you know, kind of dispel that myth. And then, uh, Unbelievable. yeah, so you can see I really love the vintage ones. And I have one last one. And this is by far probably my favorite. Yeah. It is a 48 leaf uncut sheet. Uh, and this is uh, actually three partial uncut sheets. Right. Uh, and I, I, but so there's this right here is a piece. This right here is a piece. And this entire half is a piece. Uh, and what I did is, and there's some overlap. I can see like there's a four card overlap here. So I know they weren't one key, one sheet right. cut up into pieces. This was several sheets cut up into pieces and they happen to overlap. And they were missing those two cards. And when I had this framed, I decided not to put those in just as a reminder, uh, you know, how rare, how tough this is. But right, right, right. There's a card number one, the Sid Luckman. And uh, this moves uh print wise it moves down one two three four five six seven so it's kind of weird most of them go one two three four five six seven or one two three five six seven this is numbered this way but if you reverse it so it was pretty obvious they they, they ran this through the printer upside down or the cutter upside down or they didn't worry about it they 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 ran it that way this is series A, one through, it's a 98 card set. So this is uh, seven by seven. It's, uh, yeah, uh, seven cards by seven cards. Some of them are turned horizontally, depends on if they're horizontal or, or, or vertical. Uh, but yeah, absolutely love it. The, you know, the 48 leaf set, and, I, and I've said this before too, putting that set together for the high numbers was just absolutely... Oh. Utterly ridiculous. And again, I, I have so many fillers in my, my second series. I mean, they're they're basically poor to fair condition. Uh, you know, they're all bent up. They've got um, writing on them, bad creases, so on and so forth. Yeah. So I know, they, I know they haven't been trimmed, number one. But number two, I also realize there, for whatever reason, that second series just did not see much sale, distribution, or anything. Uh, which is is amazing to you know to think about how many years later, and yeah. and again you know you know forty eight leaf inside and out, uh, 
you know, to trim a lot of those cards just to get a better, better grade on them is so sad. But I, I look at my 48 leaf set, it doesn't look nice, but I know they're all original cards and they're cards that sure. have, you know, sold out of a pack, so on and so forth. So, yeah, yeah, no, right. Just star studded Sammy Baugh down here, Whitey Wister, uh, Johnny Lujak, George McAfee, Bob Waterfield, Oregon Great. Uh, just, I mean, you think about the, the the rookie cards on here. Kenny Washington, yeah. Bellet Walker's rookie card. Uh, Bobby Lane, the Mad Bomber. You know, Bulldog Turner, Sid Luckman, one of my favorite cards in a set. I don't know why. Charlie Choo Choo Justice. I love the purple around around his uh, pads and just the look. Steve uh, Van Buren, Bullet Bill Dudley, George Connor. I mean, this is just riddled. With rookie cards, as the forty-eight leaf is no forty-eight leaf set is notorious for. Yeah, that's a great, Just, great, great, great display piece. Unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. yeah. By by far the cornerstone of my collection. Just my my leaf or my uh, my uncut sheets. The the fifty-seven, sixty-five, and forty-eight are just my favorites. They're just yeah. they're, they're, they're just such pieces of artwork too. And a complete set of the 50 Bowman set in sheets. I mean, that that's incredible, too. All right, so again, for our audience purposes, how many, uh, do, do you have a count of how many uncut sheets you have uh, from 48 to wherever you ended? I don't, actually. Um, I, I don't. Uh, because the, the ones that are, I need to frame more because I've got some really cool ones. Uh, that I haven't bothered framing yet. That that also came in rolls that I needed to flatten out. So uh, I, I uh, you know, I've, I've kind of hit pause on my collection. You know, the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, you know, just mostly because of our house fire and stuff. So uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, plan on rekindling that. I need to sift through, like we were talking about. You know, pre-show, sift through, decide what I've I've outgrown and I don't want to collect anymore, and you know, kind of send it off to yeah. you know yeah. auction house. And uh, but I would guess I have. 220 to 250 on cut okay. Yeah, I was going to say you have to have at least a couple hundred, if not more. Yeah, that'd be my guess. That's great. Your stack's pretty high. I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, you know, it's a, it's a great collectible. And like you say, and I agree with you 100%, they can't be counterfeited. So you can't take a sheet like that, even with laser printers today, and try to get a 132 card sheet through a laser printer and try to duplicate it and, and call it a, you know, a real whatever, 1970 sheet or whatever the case might be. That's not yeah. going to happen. So yeah. uh, that, that, that's truly a great collectible. That also goes back to, in your theme, you do the uh, wax pack, the display box, the uncut sheet display. That, that's really the history of the card uh, in many, many ways. And, and I... Uh, I remember years ago, and I'm pretty sure his name was Dave Richardson out of Nevada. He had a great uh, wrapper and display box collection. That's all he collected. He never collected any cards. He just collected the wrappers and the display box, not just in football, but in all the sports. And I, I kind of got to know him. We corresponded way back when years ago. And uh, I never really thought of you know, to me, that was a real futuristic vision to collect those wrappers at that time, to collect those display boxes, because what happened in the story, the display box, the display box sold all its uh, packs. You threw it out. That was it. It was gone. 
And uh, I still remember in the card shop I worked at, um, there were, uh, I said to him, what are you doing with the boxes? I said, well, I'm going to throw them out. What, I'm gonna do, what am I going to do with them? I said, you should hold on to them. I mean, you know, the, 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 they, they'll probably be you know, valuable one day. But take into consideration like this, the explosion in 1990 to this day, yeah. how many wrappers exist and how many dis empty display boxes exist of the hundreds of types of cards that were issued during that time frame. I, I I I know of no one who actually kept up with everything. Kept yeah. up with, you know. And even I gave up in the '90s when I said, "Well, let me just get one pack of each card set that came out. I'll put it away." And I gave up on that because when you start adding 40, 50, 60 different packs, oh, I, I, even... I didn't even know I didn't even know what what was what after a while. Yeah, you know? so, yeah. I, I think three years ago during you know COVID or two and a half years ago. I went on Target and, you know, wanted to buy some stuff. I had no idea what this crap was. Was it like, hey, do you want the rocket box or do you want the, you know, the, the booster the booster pack box? I'm like, what is the difference? What the hell? I mean, I just ended up buying something that looked fancy. And I did it out of boredom. I mean, but I was literally like, well, let me, let me get two boxes and then maybe I'll open one. I never bothered to open one just because I have no idea what the stuff is. Right. I have zero passion for the stuff. I, I don't know. But I collected uh, display boxes for a while, and they really scratch an OCD itch. They're kind of cool because, you know, you buy them, uh, you can buy a brick of, you know, of the white foam. You can measure what the box is. You can slice off that, insert it. And then when you get about five or six of them, you go up and shrink wrap it. Uh, they're kind of cool to display. And then I saw, I saw somebody about a, you know, typewritten what each one was, unshrink wrap them. Type that up, put them back in, shrink wrap them again. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, yeah, it, it's they're they're really cool to display, but man, the, those take up a lot of room. Here, here, the uncut sheet guys saying display boxes take up a lot of room, but you have to have a bookcase shelf filled with them or you know some sort of display case with them, and man, that takes up a lot of room. At least the uncut sheets hang on the wall; they don't take up floor space. But right. you know, boxes, you need shelves or something like that. Yeah, I had a hard time just because they took I, up so much. I had at my peak about 50 display boxes, but my earliest box were, was like 77, 78. Um, I had a lot of 80s. I had a lot of early 90s stuff. But I used to put the white packing peanuts in them, uh, like you're saying, the foam. I put the packing peanuts, peanuts in it. It held it. For, I never sh uh, would shrink wrap them, but I would just display them. But then they got to – it was too much, and I, and I said, I, I can never finish this. So what's the point of it? You know, I, I've gone as, as far as I could. Uh, so I yeah. sold it locally to a Ups guy. Ups and downs of collecting. How many things have you started to collect, got bored, or went, ah, hell with it. I'm, I'm a completionist. I'm not going to complete the set. Right. And, and you move on. I mean, that, that's why I, 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 I love your Mayo, you know, story. We're like, I'm collecting it. I know I'll never get, you know, the anonymous card, but right. I'm still collecting it. I mean, right. Is, is that hard for you to know you you will likely never finish the mail yes. set? It, it's brutal for me, and I always I always have in the back of my mind finishing that somehow finishing the thirty five chickle, which is unobtainable now, and the fifty two Bowman Large. Those were the three sets that I always felt would complete the run that I originally set out to to put together years ago. Uh, but you know, I I just basically stopped. 48 to 2015 and that's it 
And I think the decision was made for me. When Top started stopped producing, I said, this is it for me. I'm not going to switch over and say, you know, 2016, I got a score set on whatever. It just it was never the same again. And again, oh. I when we moved down here, we were stuck in the condo for the five and a half months. I would go to Walmart and I'd buy a couple packs and just to open them in the condo. And, and it did nothing for me. I didn't know half the guys. Yeah. The cards were, you know, the inserts were just ridiculous. I, I couldn't yeah. keep track of everything. So I have like a 400 count box of 21 and 22 football cards that I open. Uh, you know, that I've been selling off piecemeal here and there at a show, you know, like a dollar card here and there. But I'm just saying there, there was it wasn't fun. So I'm glad I stopped at 2015 because that was the last year I actually opened a Topps Wax box and had to pick up extra cards to finish the set. I did finish the set. I'm complete from 48 to 2015. And I got to call it, you know, that's not a bad accomplishment as a run. You know, those 92 sets. And again, they're not all near mint. The early cards are really beat up. If I find any upgrades, I try to upgrade, you know, where I can. And I just, just put it that, you know, leave it like that. But uh, if, yeah, you're missing the, uh, if you're missing the Frank Gifford card in the 52 large set, there's one for sale at Memory Lane right now. It's a PSA 9, but it'll fit really nicely in your set. It's 22000 right now, Bob. That includes the big. Yeah. I, I At this stage of the game, I could do a lot more with 22000 than, than <laughs> that PSA 9. Gifford, but uh, you know, I again, I still get enjoyment opening up a binder, looking at the cards, yes. a lot of memories. I that's what it's all about for me, and I and I've said this numerous times that's the last thing to go. I mean, I, I literally look at my collection every day, I look at something of it, and it, it you know, it's fun for me, it's still fun, you know, everything oh. else is secondary type of thing, and, and that's it. You know, one, one quick uh point, we're almost out of time, one quick point, um. We're talking. You're talking about publications. I have been shocked to see how much media guides have gone up over the past three years. Um, the few teams that actually are putting out a printed media guide, they're going for forty and fifty dollars a piece. Oh wow! And I am just shocked by that. I mean, I can remember the Packers media guide was like yeah. twenty dollar, nineteen ninety five, which you know, which I thought was a fair price. I mean, you got a big book there. You know, it's a book, but to see now it's forty and fifty dollars, and I, I'm just blown away uh, by that. And I and I just said, okay, there's a, here's another thing that I'm not going to collect anymore because of, of the cost. And all I'm all I'm really looking for is the update for for the the new season. Everything else is pretty much the same in it. You know, who, who was it? Didn't we have a guest who had a was it a, a Cowboys or a Packers? Uh, I, th I think it was the Cowboys one from the '70s where. They're like, hey, this is before social media. This is what they handed out, you know, to prospective oh, yeah, players. Yeah. Hey, come to Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Was, was that Steve Wolf who got that? I, I forget who, but it was a media guide. But it was literally an advertisement to, to come. Please yeah, come. I, yeah. It was either that or that um, that guy who um, I can't think of his name now. Who does the um, the cowboy cards designs them? He had that price guide out. That, that was a long time ago. I know Steve has some media guides and, and some nice uh, prospectus pieces that they handed out, so on and so forth. So that's yeah. great. Great. Nice. All right. A couple more minutes. Uh, Joe, I'm speechless. I love looking at your stuff. It's great. I love those uncut sheets. 
just a great collectible, very unique in the whole whole scheme of things. I do have to compliment you on your uh, T-shirt today, your Patsville Maroons T-shirt. Very, very cool. I have nothing that compares to that. I just have my Packer <laughs> attire. I am planning on getting a couple of Panther shirts <clears throat> because uh, a few uh, – uh, I've been commenting to a lot of people about what I feel is wrong with the team. And uh, <laughs> one one uh, fellow down here. Of course, says, you, of course you have. He says, well, why don't you, why don't you call the team and, and give them all your, your stuff? And I said, well, okay. I, I just put this in perspective. You've got a, a first-round draft choice quarterback. He really honestly doesn't improve in 17 games. There's something wrong there, you know. So you gotta you gotta try to think of something else, try to do something, do something different. But I I think I'll just throw a curveball at everybody. I'll buy a few Carolina Panther shirts and uh, and have them in any grocery store we go to. I see the Panther and Miller Lite uh, display everywhere. So uh, I gotta I gotta I gotta go to the uh, the guy at the uh, grocery store we shop at the most down here and see what do you guys do with that display? I'd be interested if, and he'll say. Just come Brenda, in the back and throw it in your car. No big deal. Yeah, Brenda true. would love seeing a Carolina Panther, you know, Bud Light display. Right, sticking up on the back here. So. Bob, uh, I, when you when you wear a Carolina Panther sweatshirt, I want a picture of that. Just you smiling, wearing something other than Packer green. Just, I know. know. It would be so foreign for me to see you in a Carolina Panther shirt or jersey. Well, my my intention was when I came down here, I was going to get uh, as many college football shirts. I got my actually, I could wear my uh, university. I'm sorry, yeah, my um, yeah, University of North Carolina football shirt. I've worn that a, a few times around here. UNC, UNC baby, Michael Jordan. I'll have yeah. uh, I'll put that on one day for a show, and then I'll throw it. It'd, it'd be like you know. Be like seeing me in something other than Seahawk green right. or Oregon Duck green. You know, I mean, right. you know, I look right at home wearing Hawksville Maroon 1925 championship. You know, I look right at home. I, I make this look damn good. But, you know, the other thing I make it look good is a Steve Largent jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait, wait a minute. No, Super Bowl Sunday last year, I wore a Red Grange right. jersey to the party and I made my daughter wear a Steve Largent jersey. Right, right. Everybody was confused. It's like the Bears and the Seahawks aren't playing. What are you doing? I'm like, man, this is football day. You know, red grain. I'm wearing a throwback, baby. Right, right. I, I normally wear my Bart Starr jersey on Super Bowl Sunday. And I'm kind of uh, <clears throat> impressed. I've basically seen every Super Bowl uh, since the first one. So that, mm. that kind of scares me how old I am now. But to see 58. Or whatever is fifty nine Super Bowls now. It's it's truly amazing. It's just not like it was in the beginning, the first twenty or so. It's a little a little commercialized now. Just to say, yeah. is it fifty nine? It's yeah, it's fifty eight or fifty nine because nineteen, um, what sixty seven is the first one. Yeah, I, I will admit, Bob. The other day, I had to go. Uh, I had to go to Wikipedia and look up the Super Bowl winners starting in like nineteen. You know, so I had to go back. And like, oh, yeah, that's right. That 49er run, that Cowboy run. Oh, man, I remember that. And every Super Bowl, I was like, I remember that. I remember where I was. Oh, I missed that one. I was in the Navy. You know, I remember going outside at halftime at that Cowboy Buffalo one and playing football. And 
limping back in and watching the rest of it at a party. And, uh, and it was, it was cool, you know, to recap the winners, but like, I couldn't remember who won the Super Bowl five years ago. And I'm like, shouldn't I know that? You know, yeah. I mean, well, you know, you're processing all this information. I really don't, you know, I'm sure a, a true football fanatic memorized every winner and loser in every Super Bowl. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, you know, I got to look back at a few too, because there's some I don't, I, I, I truly don't remember type of thing. But, uh, you know, I, I do have a visualization of, of a lot of them, especially the early ones, watching at home with my, with my father on the black and white TV. Um, you know, being excited that the game was coming on, so on and so forth. So, but it's just not the same now. And if the Packers aren't playing, I really, you know, I'm going to root for the Chiefs. I'm not ashamed to say it. Uh, we, the magazine has connections to them, as we know, and, and it's, uh, I got a root for them. They're a good thing. And as I tell everybody down here, my wife's hairdresser's. Grandson is Noah Gray, number eighty-three on the Chiefs. So, wife's hairdresser's grandson. We we yeah. need a flow chart for that. Just to, yeah. you're, you're getting to seven degrees. You know, does does your wife, friend, hairdresser's niece, does he know Kevin Bacon? Oh, so well, her her hairdresser <laughs> that that's her grandson, Noah Gray. So, oh, okay. All right. that, that's the daughter's. Because she she has two daughters. That's the daughter's uh, son, her grandson. So yeah, I, I like <laughs> dynasties. I like dynasties. I love the you know Cowboys dynasties, the Steelers dynasties. I love it when a team, especially in this era of free agency, can right. put together a team that can you know that can make it to the big game and win it. Yeah. Uh, you know, three out of six years. I love the Patriots dynasty. Uh, and so I am really digging this, you know, Kansas City Chiefs dynasty that we're seeing uh, yeah. and uh, just enjoying it. So I also will be rooting for the Chiefs twofold. I just said that I love dynasties. And number two is I cannot root for another team that's in the same division as the Seahawks, yep. NFC, yep. the NFC West. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I still don't like the Raiders, the old AFC West, when the Seahawks were in the AFC West. I'm still yeah. not a fan of the Raiders. Yeah. And it's just because old AFC West rivalries never die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need a hush button. Yeah. Excuse me. But, all right, we're out of time. We're going to wrap it up. Joe, thanks for being on. We'll be back next week. We are working on several guests. And we're trying to get our times all set up. And when we do, boy, we're going to have a blitz of uh, three, four shows all at once when it all comes down. So thanks for watching. If you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Greats Magazine, what are you waiting for? Be waiting for it. Check out our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. Take care. Thanks for watching.